Welcome to I Love My HBCU Question Mark, the podcast where we express our undeniable love for HBCUs, but where we are also not afraid to address a few tough questions. So, sit back, learn a little, love a lot, and rep your HBCU. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Oh my gosh. It is the first episode in January 2024. Oh my gosh, happy new year to everybody listening and watching. I love my HBCU question mark with Tosin Richard. Um, we started the podcast together, myself and the lovely gentleman that you see on your screen. And we decided for our winter episodes, why not start it off with you again, Amari? But this time, as opposed to you being the guest host, you be a guest. Hi, Amari. Hello, Dr. Tosin. It's a pleasure to see you again. How are you? A pleasure to see you as well on this side of yes. the screen. <laughs> it was turned. Amari, how was 2023 for you? Um, and don't give me the whole... Uh, synopsis of 2023. I want to start and end with gratitude. So if what is the one thing you were most grateful for in 2023? I was, this is easy for me because it was a very big problem at the beginning of the year and my biggest solution towards the end of the year. So definitely just finding my place after graduating undergrad. There was a lot of confusion I had internally those were the last couple months leading up to walking and I didn't know where I was going, where I was, what I was going to be doing. And I figured that out and I couldn't be more blessed to be where I am. I love it. So those who know I love my HBCU question mark know that um, Amari, gosh, in 2023 was both HBCU now and HBCU made in the same breath and has been along for this journey from the very, very beginning. The journey of the podcast, that is, from the very, very beginning. So hence the context of finding your place. Congratulations on that. I think that is something pretty amazing to be grateful for. Um, because it is the beginning of the year. Sure, let's go and ask. Let's go ahead and ask, sorry. <sighs> I don't want big resolutions because I don't know if I believe in big resolutions at the beginning of the year. However, what are you looking forward to in 2024? Uh, I wish I had a more formal way to put this, but I'm really looking forward to finding my groove, getting into my groove. I've, I've never had something so stable, so consistent in terms of a nine to five every day. It's always at class, such and such, at clubs, meetings. So I'm very looking forward to getting used to doing the same kind of thing and changing up what I do within those hours, but being in the same place at the same time every day. I'm looking forward to that a lot. Very stable. So there's something to be learned for all of the HBCU, the seasoned HBCU made listeners and viewers. There's something to be learned in the way Amari put that. He didn't say, I'm looking forward to finding my routine, even though what he described was a routine. Instead, he said, I'm looking forward to finding my groove. It kind of makes having a routine a tad bit more sexy. <laughs> Groovier, you know, a little funkier. It's a lot funkier than the way we would normally um, approach it. So I, I like that. I'm going to start using that, actually, because routine, routine makes it a little stagnant. Um, routine makes it a little stiff. 
routine routines are good i live by routines don't get me wrong but i like groove i'm going with groove okay um so you're looking forward to finding your groove um give me one more just for for kicks and giggles give me one more big thing you're looking forward to in 2024 i am looking forward to establishing new connections and a new context because an undergrad it's all about networking the network is your net worth i hear that all the time at business school and at the events and conferences i went to so looking forward to finding relationships that are not as much for getting me somewhere but helping me belong where i am nice nice i worded that correctly but that's what i'm looking forward to I don't think there's an incorrect way to um, um, word it. Um, when I heard you say belong where I am, I I don't hear somebody wanting to stay where they are, wherever they are is, but wherever you find yourself, feel like you belong. That's what I got from that statement. Is that accurate? You picked up everything I put down, Dr. Posted, exactly right. <laughs> So um, Amari, Amari, so Amari and I have fun um, when we have, when we converse because Amari is the king of wit. Um, So I'm chuckling because of his, you picked up everything I put down. I don't have that gift. I just don't have that gift. You have the gift of being very witty and being timely witty. Um, And I think that's going to help you with this, you know, um, establishing new contacts in the right space. It it, it is, it is. you're endearing and charming to people. So yes, it, it will. And there's substance behind it. There's one thing to be endearing and charming. There's another thing to actually have substance behind it. So kudos you. Amari, you don't know this, um, but I am still, even though this is not a, this is not a traditional episode, our winter episodes, our winter season, they're not the traditional episodes that we normally have with our amazing HBCU Now and HBCU Made guests. However, we've got to keep some traditions going, don't we? So you follow? You you know what's coming? Now, are we bringing something rapid into 2024? We're bringing okay. rapid. Okay, into- I'm following. I'm picking up what you're putting down. You hear, you hear his wit? See how amazing like- that is? I love it. Okay, so rapid fire segment. You and I both know it's 67 seconds. I will be, not I, Um, one of the producers, please. Put um um the, the, put some time on the clock and start timing us after I read the last question. Are you ready? Oh, he's ready. He did the whole boxer stance. Well, I can't. I, I want to feel ready. Whether I'm ready or not, I want to at least feel like I'm ready. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right. This is good, especially since you're a recent HBCU made. Describe your HBCU experience in one word. Uplifting. That was quick. Um, Rapid. You, you, every time I saw you, I saw you with a headset on. So this is a good one for you. Your time in college was a song. What's the song? Don't Let It Go to Your Head by Cleo Soul. Don't Let It Go to Your Head by Cleo Soul. That's a new one for me. Lovely, lovely. Ooh, what do you like most about HBCUs? The people. The people. people involved. Nice. What do you like least about HBCUs? Financial aid offices. Financial aid offices. He put all of them in one group. Financial aid offices. I'll take it. You should remember, what was your best meal in college? My first fried chicken Wednesday. 
the first one the very first one though yeah didn't go downhill from that uh the people didn't carry it the way that i expected them to i think i had just the experience overall the context of being with my friends the first time i had a traditional meal being in the prefect all that led to just being an overall fantastic experience but then it was just the food after that ended got it got it all right shout out your favorite professor or person at your hbcu what did they teach or what do they do okay this might seem biased but dr alua tosin adegbola i never had her as a professor but she was absolutely my favorite individual on campus wow so i really actually was not expecting you to say that i mean that with all of my heart because you and I, I had our moments we had our moments <laughs> so i wasn't expecting that but I appreciate you for that. I really, really do. Um, and that ends the rapid fire segment. See, it wasn't too bad, was it? I, I got through it. I think I sweated a little bit, but you can't see, so we're okay. We can't see it. Lovely. Okay, Amari, um, because it is the beginning of the year, beginnings, goals, hopes, taking resolutions off the table, and this is, I love my HBCU question mark. So keeping it in context, I want us to have a conversation about what big goals, let me take the word big off, what goals and accomplishments, I guess let's put resolutions back on the table for just this question. Do you think HBCUs should have for 2024? Wonderful question. Very sensibly. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's a good one. I, I think my, only because I was reminded during the rapid fire, I think there should be a much more intentional effort to improving all administrative offices interacting with students. Because I, I've noticed that a lot of the staff members I've heard about even besides just interacting, they all seem to be there for a paycheck, which is fine. They're working. But if you know you're going to be around students and young adults for a long period of time during your workday, I feel like you should be an individual who is patient and gets along fine with young adults as you spend time with them all day answering their questions and solving their problems. So I would love to see an intentional effort behind the staffing, behind the logistics, behind the scheduling, behind making sure everything runs smoothly and is a pleasant experience for anyone who's giving money to attend the institution. Okay. That that's full throated. You said a lot in, in that statement. Uh, much more intentional effort in all administrative offices. So you didn't just uh, focus on financial aid. You said in all administrative offices in 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 creating a better experience for students um, who attend the HBCU. Um, I must ask then, with a statement like that. First of all, what brought it on? And then second of all, if you had an idea of a how, what does the how look like? How do we get um, all, all administrative offices at HBCUs more intentional or applying more intention of their effort in getting um, um, students to have a more uh, pleasant experience? Um, as they process through um, um, their institution. So the, the first question, I said a lot, sorry, but the first question was, what brought that on? That is a very full-bodied statement to make, and it's your statement. I don't agree or disagree. And then do you have any ideas on a how? Sure. 
Sure, I have a couple theories I can uh, throw out there for the how, but in terms of the the why, it was based on my personal experience, my sister's experience, she graduated from Howard, and then all my peers, whether they went to UMBS, whether they went to Coppin, Bowie, Morgan State, they went to Howard. So I know someone went to Fisk. Like it's just, I have conferences, HBCUs have all kinds of students coming together, and we all discuss our experiences to see how we can improve. And I've just heard over and over again so many young students who are brilliant and who deserve the best experience possible. I'm a little biased, obviously, but just struggling just because the, the office was closed on the day they needed it to be or the staff member was had an attitude because they had a long day, which is understandable. If you had a long day dealing with kids, you don't know what they're talking about. But I just saw that there was things that could be improved that I feel like if there was a priority to improve them, they could be improved. Hmm. Hmm. And I don't know if there's not a priority, but I'm just not seeing it if there is. Or my peers and I haven't been able to share that priority if there is. We've seen things like housing being built, which is important. I'm not saying the things that are being prioritized are not supposed to be prioritized. Absolutely. I'm just saying, from my experience, I'd love to see something like that brought up higher in the ranks of things to do. You, you. Before we go to the how, I want to um, um, follow up on um, something you just mentioned um, with regards to offices being closed with regards to not getting what it is you need in in the time that you need it and when you need it um you also said let's 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 rewind ever so slightly you also said that in your experience and again this is where one must always give grace is that you're speaking from your lens and your lens only in your experience it would appear to you that sometimes some of the persons in these positions are seem to just be there for a paycheck and there isn't like the passion behind it would you would you what are your thoughts what are your thoughts um on the fact that some people might not actually belong in these positions and um, it might not necessarily be a fault of their own that they're not delivering what it is you are asking for, but they are not in the right spaces. They, 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 they probably should be getting something else, but they've told themselves, I want to, I'm, I'm doing, I'm making impact. I'm doing something um, pretty amazing here by uh, working with young people at an HBCU. And that's a, a, they're flag bearers for that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that kind of ties back into the, the concept of people who don't have the individuals, I should say, who don't have the patience or the compatibility with young adults, still, try, still trying to find themselves in that space, working that kind of role. I wish I had a direct answer for like a metric to say, if you like this, then you're good for this job. If you do this, you're good for like one of those uh, career quizzes I did in high school. I would love to be able to do that. Like, oh, you're a perfect administrative staff at HBCU. Mm, I don't know what that looks like. Got it. I don't know if there is something that looks like that. I haven't been able to see it. So I, I think it's just, it unfortunately becomes rather personal. Mm, so mm. if you dread going to work every day, it might not be because it's work. It might be because of where you work. And that does not only apply to the administrative offices. That's why I feel blessed to be where I am because even though I'm tired because it's early, I still know I'm going to have a good day in the office. Yes, yes. And so I, I think there has to be some kind of uh, personal accountability of understanding if you want to belong there, you can make efforts to do so. But if not, you need to maybe look somewhere else for a position that's more fulfilling for you. 
Got it. Got it. Okay, that's fair. How? How how would you do you you said you got some theories earlier on, that's what you said. So what are maybe one or two of those theories with regards to how we I'm I'm part of Morgan State University administration or HBCU administration. How can we be more intentional or apply more intentional effort in creating these experiences that every young adult who walks onto a college campus does deserve? Yes. Now I do want to say, it's a great point you prefaced earlier. This is all coming from my and my limited peers' perspectives. I do want to offer Absolutely. that. Some of these Absolutely. theories might already be in state and we're unaware. That's very realistic. I understand that. I'm offering what me and some frustrated individuals all brainstorm together late at night in Texas. So one of the main ones that we came up with is just we, we find that many hands make light work in almost all contexts. And... It's not that they're short staffed per se, but we feel as though adding extra hands would make the work less stressful and intense for the people who are there. Gotcha. If you don't have to speak to somebody every 30 seconds, you get a five minute time to file some things, to move folders around, whatever you do administratively or logistically for the, the campus. It might help you reset, calm down, get some water, some tea, some coffee, whatever the case may be, just to make it less of a strenuous experience for the person who may or might not belong there, as you mentioned earlier. So the first one was just adding some hands in there to help relieve the stress of those who are already there. The second was outsourcing some of the phone calling only because we, we, my peers and I who discussed this, we felt it was a bit of a waste to have the people who are in the office sitting at a desk on the phone when technology allows that to happen from anywhere. Anybody can answer a phone. You don't have to be in that space, taking up space to someone who needs to have access to folders or access to the, the desktop software, whatever the case may be. If there's something limited to a location, why use that location for something that could be used elsewhere? Mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing, just outsourcing certain things that don't have to be in the physical campus itself. And the third one, the main one that we, my, one of my, my personal favorites, not because of the suggestion itself, but how it came to be this theory, but they... Somebody, his name is Jaquil. He said that we should, pardon me, just take the money from the other things and put it in this. And I recognize that's a very underdeveloped statement to make because a lot of the money is very intentionally placed in those resources. I learned that from the wrestling team at Morgan State University. But I, I do think that there is, there could be some intention behind what you ask for. So if you don't mean you might not get it, but if you know that you are needing some help covering logistics or scheduling or staffing or administrative strategy, whatever the case may be, then require ask request for some funds to work on that problem. And it may or may not come to fruition, but at least we can see that you're asking for it to help bring it to life. Okay, okay. I'm I'm you are a money guy, um, in the sense that you work in the finance industry. That's all I mean by that. And so I'm glad that you did mention that sometimes allocation is not as um simple as just take this and move it there. So I'm 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 glad for the nuance that you added at the end, whereby it might be that we, we need to um just revisit uh, what it is we might be asking funds for 
and um, justifying um, whether or not that will benefit the students that the student experience and the way that we think it will benefit the student experience because once monies are allocated in particular types of budgets also depending on where those budgets are coming from there are sometimes some stipulations that this is all it can be used for and it can't be used for something else so i appreciate you adding that context as well all right that was a big one do you have another? I, I, I want to hear more resolutions or goals that you require or desire, not require, desire HBCUs to at least think about in 2024. Yes. Uh, my, this one isn't, this is more of an indirect request. If I can, if that's the proper word. Let's hear it. I have never had this problem. My professors were all phenomenal. Even if they weren't good at their job, they were great people. If they were, have mercy. Their job, weren't great people, they did their job fine. So I had no complaints. I know a lot of peers of mine at Morgan and other schools had a problem holding their professors accountable Ooh. and in a, in a real measurable way. Because I, I heard a lot of people in one class. I mean, I, I was a tutor at Morgan, so I heard I had six people from the same exact course, like literally the same time period, 10 a.m. class, come in to help get help with me. And I, at some point, after the third person, I said, wait a second, who's who's? professing this information to these students because they're Please not... Please don't drop names, Amari. Oh, never. No, no, no. Okay. Of course not. Of course not. I don't even remember his name if I wanted to. Good. Their name. It could be a he or she. But, um, yeah, they, they came in, they're all asking the same questions, so clearly they missed the same information. And when the teacher was brought to the dean, I believe the dean said they set up a meeting with this professor, and then I never heard... I asked the students for follow-ups. They never heard anything about it. They still were missing information the rest of the semester. The final was a whole group study blitz between the eight of us. But I just would like to see some sort of formatting for if there is multiple problems with a teacher that are made aware, I guess, by the students, then there should be some sort of process to figure out what that issue is and if there is a way to solve it or remove that professor. So, so a couple... You yeah, you three threw some big ones at us, <laughs> but I'll take it. So um, I heard a lot and it made me think of several institutions, not just HBCUs. Um, so I, I like the fact that you, you ask or you are alluding to a process, a methodology, an instrument that actually helps to measure how are we saying that Oluwatosin, for example, is somebody that needs to be put on the chopping block uh, because of what she may not be delivering for her students in a class. And is it going to be based on the performance of the students? Is it going to be based on the availability and accessibility of Oluwatosin to the students? What, what is it going to be based on? And the reason why I, I appreciate the fact that you're alluding to a nuanced process is because if you pay attention, there are some universities that it is possible for a professor to have a viewpoint that is different from perhaps the viewpoint of the um, the university, the department, the students. And because of that personally held viewpoint that happens to be expressed, there could be a petition to get the person removed from their position, which one must beg the question, what does that have to do with the person's 
performance in the classroom? What does that have to do with how good or effective that person is as a professor slash teacher? So I, I really do appreciate that. And um, dare I say, even though this is your resolution that you seek or your goal that you would like to see, that I actually also agree. I find that we as um, universities do not always hold professors accountable to measured, measured. Again, I don't want this to be arbitrary. That gets very, very dangerous. But measured performances um, over time. This isn't a one off. This isn't this year alone. This isn't this decade alone for some of them. Sometimes it is a pattern. And okay, I, I have to imagine for a student that you either get discouraged or slightly demoralized if you know this pattern. And that's still the same professor you have to take. And especially in some cases, and I think you know what I'm talking about, um, even if we may not have the exact same example to use, sometimes that's the only professor that teaches that class. That gets, come on. Okay, so we'll, we'll leave it there. Do you have a third one? I'm, I'm loving these ones that you're giving us. Do you have a third one to throw at us? Oh, so just tell me when to cut it off. I oh, Lord. Yes, okay, on. keep going. I can uh, <laughs> keep spinning my to you right like, No, please go ahead. Uh, the next one, I've always felt that specifically with the, and this one I can admit it might be a little, I might have some ignorance in this topic. Okay. This is based off my experience, of course, and what I've seen online and in the world around me. I, I think there can be, and there have been initiatives, I have seen improvements, but I just in speaking from, from, of course, my experience, I would love to see safer campuses. I would love to see safer campuses. Not to say that the campuses are not safe, like just as an overall environment, they are not unsafe uh, technically, but they could always be safer. Everything could be safe. And I would, I would just love to see safer campuses where uh, students don't get harmed. I'd love to see that. That's tough, isn't it? Yeah. That's tough. Um, I, I think we all want that. I think we all want that. Now, no, that's, that's very gray. That's very, very gray. Um, and that's a line, that's a landmine I don't think, and it's not, I'm not scared. I'll, 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 I'll discuss any subject. Um, I'll converse about any subject. Um, but that's a hard one to be well-informed about. Yeah. That's also a hard one to be adequately well-informed on. Um, you and I move in different uh, campus spaces and in moving in those different campus spaces, um, some of us have open campuses, like really, really open campuses that um, how, how, does, how does one really address that in a manner that... Um, that will be entirely satisfactory to everybody. That's a gray one. That's a gray one. Don't know if we can do much about that one. That that's that a gray is, one. That's fine. I was hoping there wouldn't be as many follow-ups because I would have to say a lot of I'm not sure. Or we have to think about that. So I'm hoping we can just keep that one pushing. No worries. No worries. Do you have another one for us? Yes. This one is um a little simpler. Okay. It's a lighter, I suppose you can say. Okay. But I, I think that maybe not as light as I thought, but I think at any point in time that you are on campus, you should be able to get something to eat. It might not be a meal. It might not be a full buffet or choose your or hot meal. It doesn't have to be hot. 
But at some point, if you pay to live on that campus, you should be able to have something to put into your body for fuel. If at any, it could be two o'clock in the morning, it could be 3 a.m., it could be 12 noon, midday. You should at some point have access, even if you have to pay for it, but some resource to be able to eat if you need to at any point in time. Is, is, are you, could vending machines in every single building solve the issue? Depending on the content of the vending machines, yes. I think, I don't know what the, the science behind it is, but I, I figure there should be some sort of nutritional value that all of the available food should like meet, I suppose, in terms of requirements or metrics. But I'm, I, I'm not any kind of nutritionist. I couldn't tell you what the calorie count or the metabolism, metabolic, sure. I don't even know what the words are. Sure. But I know that I think there should be some sort of bracket that the food should fall within and it should be available at all times. I don't think many people would disagree with you. I think it's the how. Yeah. Really I think it's the how. I don't I don't think many people will agree with you. And if we're going to tie that back to safer campuses, um, the reality is, yeah, I, I think most uh, university uh, 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 leadership would agree that it would be nice to have something on campus. Um, we know some people get up at two o'clock in the morning to study, three o'clock in the morning to study, whatever time of the day, right? And you might want to grab a bite. And it's why it's why I quickly threw out, could vending machines solve that issue? Um, but I, I, I agree. Um, it, I think one must also be conscious of what we are fueling um, our bodies with and hence at least give a, a quote-unquote healthier option in the vending machine i don't know how any of that works but <laughs> that would be a good one so you've given us four let me quickly remind the audience what the four goals slash resolutions that amari is asking or hoping that hbcus will consider for 2024 first one was much more intentional effort uh from all administration offices in providing a pleasant experience for students as they matriculate through college. The second one was holding professors more, I'm going to say holding professors to a defined performance accountability. Um, so it's not just holding them accountable, but define what performance looks like and holding them accountable to that. A great one for Amari was keeping campuses safer uh, because one gets a little, um, um, it gets a little gray, the how with regards to that, but keeping campuses safer. And the fourth one that he has given is having available munchies, having available food. <laughs> I said munchies, oh dear gosh. Having available food any time of the day for college students on campus We're, let's do the the magic number five so give us a fifth one you've given us four so give us a fifth one to round off your desire for hbcus to pay attention to these particular things um um in 2024 yes now this one i only paused because i'm trying to decide between three that immediately came to my head when you said pick one okay so i'm going to okay i figured it out Let's hear it. I figured it out. I, I think, and again, I don't want to keep prefacing here, but limited view here. Coming it's from, I don't want to get out of context. I'm coming from limited view. Again, the conversation has been to is between Tosin and Amari. This is going to be Amari's viewpoint, and it, it, it it's limited. It's limited. Yeah. I would love 
cherish. A, and this, I had limited transportation when I was an undergrad. I did a lot of walking, which I benefited from. So I'm not knocking the walking, but I also had to take the bus a lot. And I love the MDOT, Maryland Department of Transportation. They got me where I needed to be a lot of times, but they also did not a lot of times get me where I needed to be on time. So I would love to see it a very efficient transportation. And we have shuttle services. I would love to, I love the shuttle service. I think it's awesome that they provide free transportation to students, but making that more streamlined and efficient, I think would be benefit to a lot of the students who can't get around when they need to. Um, I know, so we've got a couple of interns on the podcast and I know they're nodding their heads so hard, their heads are probably knocking off. Because I've also seen them on campus at different times, and they're waiting on the shuttle, and they're waiting on the shuttle, and they're waiting on the shuttle. And, and the it's not comes. just... Sorry, say that again? And then the rain comes. And, and still... then the rain comes. Yeah. Um, And it's not because they got the time wrong, it's because the shuttle wasn't there on time. And... Many of our campuses now, everybody does not live on campus. So I actually also start getting a little concerned for the students who the shuttle is taking them from campus to some other side of town. And they're standing out there in the dark waiting. So I I, I don't think anyone's going to argue with you on that one, that um, consistently working on making that process fluid and safe is extremely important. Amari, you've given, I believe, five really, really strong Four really, really strong. Yes, I'll take, uh, I'll take, <laughs> we'll take four. I'll take an 80% little B minus. All there right. you go. Um, um, you know, viewpoints that it would be nice if HBCUs paid attention to with regards to 2024 and bringing these things to fruition. I appreciate it. Before you leave us, um, again, winter episodes. Um, we are, especially for the first couple of episodes, we are going to talk about what we'd like to see. And so I'd love you to put it out there as a member, um, you know, a pseudo, uh, a quasi member of the I Love My HBCU uh, question mark uh, podcast. Who would you like to see us have a conversation with? Give me three names, not HBCU now, because those are our students, you won't know them, but HBCU made who or HBCU connect, i.e. those who did not go to an HBCU, but rep HBCUs and support HBCUs and are connected to HBCUs in meaningful ways. Give me three. Okay who you'd Three. love to see us converse with on the show. Okay. Okay, I can do that. I want to hear the this. The first one is I am a personal fan of his athletic achievements. Okay. I think he is an absolute stud, but he was in his prime. I think he's a very <laughs> engaged conversationalist, you should say, amongst things. And I know he's also the inspiration of this show. I one knew you were going there. Oh, dear God. One of the inspirations. No, Mr. Primetime himself, I think Coach Deion Sanders to be absolutely amazing guest wow. to have a conversation with on this particular show. Wow. Gosh, can you imagine if he said yes? I really can. You I can. Really. I love it. I love it. He said, I really can. You know what? Putting it out there, 2024, yes. it would be amazing to have Deion Sanders on I Love My HBCU question mark. Go ahead. And then in the same vein, 
another football star. Okay. In the in the past, another for different reasons, engaging conversationalist. Okay. Mister Uncle Shannon Sharp. You're familiar with him. He was a tight end of the Broncos. Of course, of course. He also has a podcast, so of yeah, course. Yeah, I figured he would be experienced in just migrating from one platform to the next. <laughs> okay. My last one is a um, personal family friend of mine. Okay. Not very well known in the spotlight. He was okay. uh, just, when last year he was awarded the most Ex- most influential black executive in America by Savoy Magazine. Okay. His name was uh, Kenneth Esco. Kenneth Esco. Kenneth Esco. I call him, he's an uncle of mine, not by blood, but by history. Okay. And so he graduated from North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. Good I want to say in Okay. And he is now a VP at ITW in Illinois, okay. uh, vice president of commercial something. But he's very talented, very intellectual. And a great conversation. So what I appreciate about what you did with these three, and um, we have an amazing outreach manager. She is literally amazing. Chris, because most people will know Chris more than they know me. And I appreciate that. She's the one that knocks on the doors and uh, pleasantly persists until she gets a response from any one of our guests. Um what I love about the three names that you gave is you gave two that we would know and you gave one that we would not know. And I, I like that. I, I think it's important not just to have the quote unquote celebrity um, persons. Everybody's got a beautiful HBCU story if they went to one or a, a perspective to share that I know we on this podcast appreciate um, if they did not go to an HBCU, but uh, uh, support one and um, advocate for one. Um, Amari. Uh, you you are up. You're always pleasant to talk to, and so I always appreciate your presence on the show. We are going to work hard in getting these three people on the show because that's the part we can control. I can't control the resolutions for the HBCUs in 2024. We can just put it out there and hope somebody hears it and it inspires some action. That's the best that we can do. So to everybody else, Happy New Year again. It is January 2024. Thank you for continuing this journey with us and tuning into I Love My HBCU question mark. I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation that I've had with Amari Jangpa, HBCU maid of Morgan State University. I also hope I have earned the pleasure of you subscribing to I Love My HBCU question mark and liking this episode. Yours and HBCU love. See you next episode. You've been listening to I Love My HBCU question mark. Let's keep the conversation going as we share our stories and encourage more practical support of HBCUs, whilst, of course, holding each other accountable. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, love and lift your HBCU.